Hello, this is Monica Reinagel. Welcome to the Nutrition Diva podcast. Our show this week is sponsored in part by Sock Club. Who on your gift list this year would not love to get a fabulous pair of high-quality socks every month for the next year? Sock Club delivers gorgeous socks made out of the finest combed cotton and produced right here in America. Every pair is truly a work of art. Check out these very cool socks and finish up your holiday shopping by going to SockClub.com and be sure to use the discount code DIVA and you'll save 15%. And don't forget to treat yourself as well. Sustainability is a very hot topic in the food and nutrition world these days, and for good reason. Every year, we have about 80 million more people to feed than we did the year before. But of course, the amount of land and water that we have to grow food, on this planet anyway, is fixed. In order to meet the ever-increasing demand for food, we're going to need to make the best possible use of our finite natural resources— We must develop ways to produce food more efficiently, and we need to preserve the long-term health and viability of the environment and do everything we can to forestall irreversible climate change that will make it harder to grow food. A lot of us are trying to make food choices that support these goals and efforts. We're trying to eat sustainably. And while these efforts are well-intended, I'm not sure they're always as well-directed as they might be. As I've been thinking about this lately, it seems to me that there are three big factors that contribute to the sustainability of our individual and collective diets, and that one or two of these factors often gets overlooked. The first factor to consider is how much land, water, and energy it takes to produce various kinds of food, and how many greenhouse gases are generated in the process. One of the biggest arguments for plant-based diets is that plant crops use less water and energy and create fewer greenhouse gases than meat and dairy. Shifting more of your calories from animal sources to plant sources can reduce both the carbon and the water footprint of your diet. When it comes to sustainability, this is where most of us tend to focus our efforts, or at least our thinking. We've all seen those charts and graphs comparing the environmental impact of plant and animal foods, and it really seems like a slam dunk. If you want to save the planet, you need to become a vegetarian, or at least shift your diet in that direction. But there's a second factor to consider— And that is the amount of water and energy and carbon emissions involved in the processing of those raw ingredients. It may take fewer resources to produce a pound of soybeans than it does to produce a pound of milk. On the other hand, it takes a lot more resources to convert a pound of soybeans into a gallon of soy milk than it does to convert a gallon of milk into, well, a gallon of milk. Whether you're turning chicken into chicken nuggets or jackfruit into fake chicken nuggets, food processing uses a lot of water and energy, and it produces a lot of greenhouse gases. In fact, according to the USDA's Economic Research Service, food processing actually uses significantly more energy than agriculture. A diet based on minimally processed plant foods might be the most sustainable, and a diet that includes a lot of heavily processed animal foods might be the least sustainable. But I wouldn't assume that a vegetarian diet that includes a lot of highly processed foods 
would be that much more sustainable than a diet that includes a mix of minimally processed plant and animal foods. If we're concerned about the sustainability of our diets, I think we need to consider both the source of our calories as well as the degree of processing. There's a third factor to consider, one that might actually be the most impactful of all, and I think it's also the one that gets the least attention. And now, the third and maybe the most important factor in creating more sustainable diets, reducing food waste. About a third of the food that we produce never gets eaten. It ends up in the landfill. And if you're worried about the carbon footprint of your diet, consider this. If food waste were a country, it would be the number three contributor of greenhouse gases in the world, right behind the U.S. and China. And that's on top of whatever greenhouse gases were released during the production and the processing of that food. Although plant foods require less energy to produce, unfortunately, they are wasted at a far greater rate. We consume about 80% of the meat and dairy that's produced, throwing about 20% away. But fully 50% of the fruits and vegetables we grow, and about 40% of the grain, is wasted. Food waste occurs at every step of food production and distribution, from the farm to the warehouse to the grocery store to our own kitchens. A lot of fresh, wholesome produce ends up in the landfill because it's not cosmetically perfect. And a lot more is discarded because it's simply in the wrong place at the wrong time, and it's cheaper to pay for it to be hauled to the landfill than it is to store it or to transport it to where it can be sold. Reducing food waste was the topic of podcast number 258. And in that show, I offered lots of tips on reducing food waste, and you, readers and listeners, added lots more. Since then, I learned about a very cool startup company called Hungry Harvest. Every week, these guys are diverting millions of pounds of fresh fruits and vegetables that are destined for the landfill and delivering them instead to subscribers who save a bundle and also contribute to reducing food waste. Companies like Hungry Harvest, industry efforts like the Food Waste Alliance, and volunteer initiatives like the Student-Led Food Recovery Network have the capacity to put a major dent in food waste and the greenhouse gases it produces, so let's support them however we can. As you consider how you can contribute to a sustainable food system, I urge you to keep all three of these factors in mind. Number one, if you get a large percentage of your calories from animal foods, consider shifting the balance to get more of your calories from plant foods. You don't necessarily have to become a strict vegan in order to make a big difference. Number two, if you consume a lot of highly processed foods, consider shifting your choices to include more whole and minimally processed foods. Not only will you be reducing the carbon footprint of your diet, but you'll probably be improving the nutritional quality as well. And just because you're a vegetarian doesn't get you off the hook here. That organic hemp protein powder and those frozen vegan pizza rolls don't grow on trees, if you know what I mean. And number three, be on the lookout for ways to reduce food waste, whether that means bringing leftovers home from restaurants, keeping track of what's in your fridge so that it doesn't spoil before you eat it, buying that ugly produce from the farmer's market, or maybe even volunteering for an organization that works to reduce food waste by redirecting surplus food to food banks and shelters. 
If you have thoughts or questions or maybe some resources to share on sustainable diets, post them on the Nutrition Diva Facebook page. You'll also find a transcript of today's show with links to some of the research and the resources that I mentioned at nutritiondiva.quickanddirtytips.com. And for more food and nutrition news and tips, check out my blog at nutritionovereasy.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Have a great week and remember to eat something good for me.